You're listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. On today's show, we sit down with Lou Jung, who is the founder and managing partner of Fusion Fund. She is a renowned Silicon Valley-based investor, a serial entrepreneur, and a Stanford engineering alumni. Some of the awards she has received include from the World Economic Forum, Davos, Young Global Leader, and was also recently selected as the best 25 female early stage investors by Business Insider. She has also garnered other accolades, including the featured honoree in VC of Forbes 30 Under 30. On today's show, we talk about what experiences, education, or background should a fund manager have? What are some techniques or strategies to raise in a fund? How is raising the second fund different from the first? And secrets for founders or investors on time management or priorities with goals and getting things done. This and much more on today's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast. Let's begin. Enjoy. Welcome to the Silicon Valley Podcast with your host, Sean Flynn, who interviews famous entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and leaders in tech. Learn their secrets and see tomorrow's world today. Lou, thank you for taking the time today to be on the Silicon Valley podcast. Now, I'm super excited for you to be here. I mean, I've been waiting for this interview for probably two or three months now for it to happen. So I'm very excited. But for our audience at home, Lou, can you give a little bit of background of your career up until this point? Yeah, happy. Happy to. Thank you, Shen, for having me first. And for myself, I started my journey in Silicon Valley as an uh, international student at Stanford University. I will study at the material science engineering department, doing lots of research with this dirty term like lithium ion battery, nano film sensor, biosensor. And before that, I was born and raised in the Mongolia. So I was considered as a minority in my, even in my hometown. So after I start my journey here with my research, some of the patent technology had an application for diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. So that's when I started to think about, definitely also got the motivation from the community, from Stanford startup community, thinking about how to really leverage the technology to make a real product and a real company to really make an impact into the society. So that's the initial starting point of a 21 years old immigrant international student and thinking about becoming a founder. So I was too young and simple, naive, thought it's not too hard to start a company. So I started. And as a solo founder and a CEO, running a company for a couple of years, and eventually sold it to Boston Scientific. So that was my first transition from researcher to an entrepreneur. So after my company was acquired, that, when, that was when I was thinking about, okay, I got a very good financial return from my earlier uh, startup. I wanted to also support other founders, share a similar background, and even with a passion for the deep tech and healthcare. So I started to do investment. So start with as an angel investor and later joining a billion dollar fund as a partner. And back in 2015, that's when I initial start Fusion Fund. So I think all this track record helped me to build Fusion Fund. For example, for my earlier days, uh, personal investment, I actually have three IPO this year, one IPO last year, which also helped me narrow down to the sector I'm not only passionate about, but also I'm super good at it. So since 2015 for Fusion Fund, our main focus has been deep tech and healthcare. And so far we have over 60 portfolio company across three main funds and one opportunity fund. That's incredible. But let's go all the way back to how about when you sold your company? I mean, you're young, you'd worked on it a couple of years. 
going back, would you tell yourself, you know, go ahead and sell it? Or would you have held on to it longer? Knowing what you know now, would you have done anything different? I probably would tell myself, hold on to it and uh, continue working on it. I think one thing I did regret is to sell the company too early. I think most of the founder who sold their company would always feel like, oh, I lost my kid. It's like, it's like you're a baby, like you built it from the day one. But on the other side, I still think, you know, eventually that company should go with merge acquisition exit. It's just that the longer I work on it, probably the exit value and also the product itself will be more mature. And for healthcare industry in general, some company, they have the technology could become a platform play and grow to an independent company potential for multi-billion dollar IPO potential. Other company, they could be a very good plus to the existing solution available on the market. So if they could be integrated into the existing, no matter large pharma company or medical device company, it will be much efficient and more in terms of growth rate will be much better for both sides. So what were some of the lessons you learned from that first company? Oh, lots of lessons learned. I think uh, being a founder is really about uh, making decisions every single day. And, uh, and definitely we're going to make mistakes and try to make sure to not make critical mistakes and always try to reflect on ourselves uh, how to be better and learn from the lessons. So as a founder, as a young founder at the time, I was like super young, 21 years old, the female minority founder focused on healthcare sector. Itself kind of a uh, check lock the box for investors don't invest. <laughs> Definitely at the time, I think the first lesson for me is uh, really don't take anything personal. And as a founder, when pitching to a different investor, asking for a different type of partnership, we got lots of no's as a founder. But don't take that personal and also think about how to convert that no to yes. I think that's the thing I learned from my initial experience and I somehow grow from there to become a better founder and later better investor. Another thing is really about finding the right partner and the right collaborator for no matter running a company or even in the later years, you know, become an investor myself. And I was a solo founder. So operating a company, doing basically CEO, technology owner, everything itself is a lot of work. So finding the right early stage investor is really, really critical to support me making the right decision, really navigate my journey in this super complicated healthcare sector. So I think that's another thing is how to pick the right partner, how to work with the right people. Right people, that's not mean it's the smartest people. It's the right one, share the same vision and also mindset and methodology, everything has a strong alignment. That would be the right person to work with. So do you have any stories that you can share with us from that first company? Oh, lots of stories. One thing I like to talk about, especially Many people ask me about my experience as a minority, you know, founder. How do I deal with that? I have a story that one time was uh, invited to pitch to a very big fund, one of the, their major VC partner. When he saw me, he was quite surprised because he did not realize I was a female because Lou is not a name easy to tell the gender. And later he asked me, oh, how old are you? I said, I'm 21. He's like, oh, I'm in this industry for more than 20 years while I'm listening to you. <laughs> so definitely there's lots of this type of um, respond, our, um, we could call it feedback, I'll call it stereotype. And I initially treated like, okay, took it personal, I become angry. And later I start to kind of think about whether it is the best use of my time and energy to be angry about it. 
And instead of uh, taking lots of time to argue, I would rather take more time to work on my company and technology. And not only deliver the result I promised, but deliver much more than I promised and eventually convert the people, even the people used to challenge me, become a close partner. And this exactly same investor I mentioned, later on, he was quite impressed by my uh, company result and the execution, everything. And the two things he changed. The first thing is he started to introduce lots of very good connection to me, including like a C-level from like CVS because my device was positioned as a mass screening device. So he started to introduce lots of people speak highly about me and the technology. And the second thing is he started to be more open-minded, talk to a different type of profile founder. Used to be only certain type of founder he wanted to support and invest. And the lady is like, oh, female founder is great. And they're so coachable. They're so fast learner. I like immigrant founders, so hardworking, everything. I think I'm not the only one making him make this change. He definitely worked with other awesome founders and really help him adjust the stereotype. But on the other side, I think that's a good lesson. Learn for me how to deal with that because everyone had stereotype and we try to use labeling to help us better efficiently recognize and learn about the world. But how we really communicate with each other and use data, use the fact, be result-driven to help each other be more open-minded. So it sounds like if you're faced with a challenge, that's when you really strive and really kind of kick it up a notch. Yeah, I'm a Mongolian, you know. Mongolia has this personality. We like to fight and we like to prove people wrong that I'm happy. I feel I'm, I'm not happy, but I feel excited when I got challenged because I'm like, okay, I'm going to prove you wrong. <laughs> and for all the listeners at home, I lived in China five years. I studied at a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu and MMA gym and all the wrestlers from Inner Mongolia, Ne Mongol, they would come there and they'd all, she, what, what Lou said was they like to fight, 100% true. Fighting the good way. I think uh, be a fighter, be a, really be aggressive, be ambitious. That's the thing really give me lots of power to build whatever I want in Silicon Valley and also just uh, choose the route that others typically won't choose. Now let's go back to that investor. A lot of founders, anyone that presents them money, they'll take it. They're not too picky. They're, they're just excited. How important is it to find that right investor, especially very early on in the company's formation? It's very, very important, very critical. And it's a really good time we discuss about this because last week was a YC demo day. Another 370 companies came out from the accelerator and I think 500 startups coming up very soon. There's other demo day going on. So many funders going through accelerator, that's when they start to have their first time of the fundraising. And as you said, now it's a really hot market, so much capital on the market. And it seems like it's easy to get small check here or there and make a party run close the, close the run. But on the other side, if we really think about the long-term growth of the company, if you have the right investor at the earlier stage, on one side, it's really about alignment on the vision and also strategy. Another thing is finding the right people to support the founder at a critical moment. Because I was a formal founder. All the partners I recruited in my team were all former entrepreneurs. We went through the life cycle of early stage startup ourselves. So we understand how much challenges and how, how difficult to go through this up and down between seed series A and series B stage. And the good investor would help founder first thing is really make sure they won't make critical mistake. Another thing is have good experience and a connection to help them make basically first thing is go to market strategy. 
Second thing is making the right hiring and have the right talents drawn on board. And third is have the good pace and the strategy about how to structure the future funding round. So I think these three are one of、uh, three of the top, you know, priority for lots of early stage funder. But if they do not have the right investor drawn on board, they have to work on it themselves, and they take lots of time. Not the most efficient way. Another thing is, if having the wrong investor drawn on board at super early stage, that would be super toxic to the company as well. May potentially impact the next round of fundraising as well. Now you had mentioned that you just attended the Y Combinator demo day, and there's so many other demo days coming up. How early should a relationship start between a founder and an investor? I mean, some of these investors, you know, are only focused on maybe the B round or later. When should they start getting to know each other? When should conversations actually start? We all see that the best time to、uh, do fundraising is when you are not fundraising. When you don't really need the money, that's the best time to start an engagement. And also related to that, another suggestion that I always tell founder is, you treat every opportunity to talk with investor as a free consulting session. First thing is really try to leverage what investor know, their experience, their connection, help you to grow your company. And secondly, it will change your mindset about asking which type of questions and asking for help when you talk with VC, and also make VC to be able to understand. The company technology in depth and give honest feedback to help the company help the founder to grow from there. So I think the timing to start engagement is not necessarily related to the fundraising, and but for in general, founders should definitely do research for the investor they're talking to. As you said, some investors start a they have very clear mandate. They only invest in growth stage company. For example, specific metrics company with AR revenue higher than four million dollar, five million dollars. Some other VCs said, "Oh, we want to see some early market validation." I think that's the critical message founder need to understand to identify the right investor to talk to. Another is really sector focus. Make sure talking to the investor really invest a similar company in the similar sector. Or they have a clear mandate related to the technology they're building. And let's go back to your career. You've started your company. You sold it. You made some angel investments, and then you decided to. Get more into、uh, a fund. Either was at that point you had invested, co-invested in a fund, and then start your own. That transition, there was so many steps there. Why not just start another company? Why not just keep doing angel investments? Why not? Why keep progressing in the way that you did? Yeah, that's a really、uh, good question, and also a very、uh, kind of popular question when people ask me about my earlier career path, because naturally. Serial entrepreneur like me would think about launching another company. I was also considering that at that time to work with a couple friends, bring some different ideas, and think about what is the next big thing after I sold my initial company. I think the reason eventually kind of uh, uh, pushed me to this、uh, launching my own fund. I have a couple kind of big motivation behind it. The first thing is really about I really treat Fusion Fund as another startup. I'm now thinking about I'm changing my career path to really. Joke about the dark side of being the investor. I'm still doing something different in the VC, which is the relative traditional industry. Being there for forty, fifty years, always have the same approach for how to do the investment, how to work with founders. So I thought we launched a new fund here, and was a pretty diverse background, a global perspective, cognitive diversity, and also different sector focus. 
which really help us uh, be able to be different and also do something creative. So that's the first motivation. Yeah, another uh, another big motivation I have there is really relate to the market opportunity because it's it's always about the market timing when you launch a new venture, no matter for technology product or doing the investment. How we could differentiate, how we could be the outstanding one in the future, and I'll really outpace other potential competitors. Back in 2013, 2014, one thing I found out during my journey as an angel investor or partnering a larger fund is most of the tech-focused investment are focused on only software. And the loss of capital was still kind of uh, passionate about the business model innovation. Very few capital really like deep tech and the healthcare. The second motivation I have is really relate to the market opportunity, we say like market timing. It's same as launching a startup. When you launch a new venture, I think market timing is important and whether we could do something differently and make us outstanding and strong differentiation, become the future leader is important. So that's also the reason like back in 2013, 2014, what I found out is on the market, there's so much capital, but majority of them still are fascinating about the business model innovation. Even for some of the tech-focused investors, they're more into the, I would say, software investor rather than like hard tech, like deep tech on healthcare. But on the other side, as a founder myself, I know tons of other founders that are in my founder community. I saw lots of great technology coming up. Not only there are the good technology, we also talk about commercialization for technology means better, faster, and cheaper. So we saw this technology probably be there, the concept be there for over 10 years, but they're being faster and also cheaper. And lots of opportunity related to digital transformation. We literally think about digital transformation back in 2015. Connection between the low-cost sensor at the entrance of the data, leverage AI and other technology, be able to do personalized analysis. And for healthcare, similar thing. So that's when back in 2014, I'm like, okay, there's a good opportunity in the market. Very few people actually notice that. I have the right background and resources and the potential connection to be able to capture opportunity. Why not? Similar mindset as launching a startup. So I launched a fusion fund back in 2015, started to do investment based on the mandate and methodology I thought about. And the reason I was able to start that is because when I was circling around my perspective with other family offices, oh yeah, we agree, like we like that. We don't have the background as you have to evaluate a deep tech healthcare company. We want to join on board. So that's how I start to launch the new venture. Market opportunity, personal advantages, and also passion. The last thing is capital is available. So I do want to ask a couple of questions about the family office. You had mentioned that briefly right there, but before that even, what type of background or education do you think is important for a fund manager? I think if you gen- generally talk about VC background, you can see in Silicon Valley, we have such a nice uh, diversity across all different type of VC firm, which definitely relate to specific sector focus and industry focus and even stage focus. Like earlier stage is more about understanding of the tech founder and the industry. Late stage is more about the financial analysis and understand about the pub- public market and the capital market in general. Specific for earlier stage and for deep tech and healthcare focus, which is the sector we're investing, I think one thing is really about not necessarily has to be the expert for all the technology, but understand how to talk with technical founder. That's very important. Second thing is really, I think is truly valuable is operation experience. Operation experience help 
uh, me help us better support a founder, especially a first-time founder. Another thing is give us a really good perspective about the life cycle, how to go through the early stage startup life cycle, what to expect in different stage. Then we could better serve the founder. The last thing is really deep understanding about the market industry in general. That's also some of my lesson learned. Initially, as a technical founder, I definitely think, okay, technology is really important. Later, we find out in order to really apply the tech to the industry, to the society, market response, market mindset, our key player in the specific industry really matters. And which eventually decide on the integration of the new technology, which also reflects by this COVID thing, right? Before the COVID, we talk about digital transformation, fourth industry revolution at Davos conference. I wonder a couple of years we've been talking about it, but it's very slow adoption in the industry. During the COVID, everyone realized that we have to adopt digital solution. So everything got accelerated. I think that's a, another thing very important to being an investor, to really understand what truly need in the industry and who are the key decision maker and whether their mindset is changing while the technology is evolving. Now, going back, you'd mentioned family office and you'd mentioned having conversations. Now, most of our listeners, they're very familiar with VCs and angels, but honestly, the topic of family offices don't come up that often. Can you give a little bit of background on family offices, and why maybe they'd be a good avenue for potential investment for some startups? Or would you kind of just ignore family offices and stick with the VCs in that route? Uh, I think most of family offices, they try to work with VC, even they want to do direct investment. Majority of the family office, they prefer to uh, put money to the VC fund manager like me, like us and then probably invest along with the GP and the VC. So family office typically are from the, basically the, no matter tech sector or traditional sector, individual family make lots of fortune for the past success. And they start to want to allocate more into the technology. And uh, so some of them work with fund the fund and some of them directly work with their GP like us. And some family office, they even build up their in-house uh, team for venture direct investment and was very str strong strategic value. For example, some of the family office becoming the GP, uh, becoming the LP for a fusion fund. They also have a strong industry, a connection related to, for example, real estate, logistic, manufacturing. All this strategic value make them very attractive to the founder as well. They could be another type of strategic uh, investor. So sometimes we also would share the uh, opportunity with certain family office. It depends on the stage. But in general, we would still recommend the founder, especially for lead investor, trying to work with institutionalized VC. Because lead investor will sit on the board for a company, which is really critical position. And meanwhile, seat, uh, lead investor would also have a big impact on the future fundraising. Future investor would really check on the details, who lead around how they structured around. So working with the institution we see will be much better. Now going to that first fund, how did you plan on the raise? What was your strategy? Thinking of the investment thesis, you talked about a little bit about that, but can you talk about that? Yes, today I've decided I'm going to go out and raise this fund and that process until it was closed. Yeah, so fund one is always hard. 
Uh, I think lots of uh, uh, fund uh, emerging manager probably share the similar feeling as I had. I I would say I feel grateful that I have a relative easier start compared with other fund manager because the family office I was talking to even before I I was thinking about launching Fusion Fund, they clearly told me that Lou would really like what you talk about your perspective, your insights, and uh, your potential methodology for how to make the investment. We want to work with you. We want to put money if you launch a fund. So I got an initial couple million dollars very quickly and also putting my own capital. That's the starting point of the fusion fund. And my fund one size was quite small, smaller, uh, lower than $20 million. So it's a small, nice size fund to be able to support uh, seed even earlier stage, uh, even earlier stage uh, funder. And the, my strategy at the time is initially I did a very quick first close with uh, the money from a couple of family office I mentioned and myself. Then with the first close, basically it happened right away and start to do investment, quickly build up a five to seven company as a small portfolio of fund one. So based on this small portfolio, I start to talk with other family office using the existing investment to really showcase what my methodology, how to invest, how we support a founder, how we select a founder, deal sourcing, everything. So I think for them, they are, they're seeing the big picture, the full picture. Not only have the plan, I executed on it. I have a good result from it. I was also very lucky for my initial investment. The first investment I made in Fund One, I'm also first investor for that company. That company now is uh, marching to a probably $1 billion revenue this year. They were making $400 million ARR last year and aiming for IPO very soon. And the second and third company, went very well. One, one become almost a unicorn already, another one roughly around $400 million valuation. So I think this early track record helped me quickly close the full fund one and take it from there. That's a story start for Fusion Fund, Fund 2, Fund 3 follows. Oh, I can't wait to see you on Forbes, the list of people with the Midas touch. <laughs> Thank you. <gasps> so how about talking a little bit about step by step by step of the process of raising a fund. I mean, maybe not so much the way you did it, but what would a normal, typical process be? Yeah, typical process to raise a fund. I think the first thing for fund manager is really about having a very clear, it's like funder have a pitch deck, have a very clear uh, thinking process about how to uh, make yourself the technology, the product differentiate. For fund manager, same thing. The key differentiation, key focus, and also consistent investment methodology. I think that's the thing you need to be confirmed before talking to anyone. And then based on that, have a clear kind of business plan. We call it a pitch deck for fundraising. Basically, the fund size, coverage, stage, and strategy, pre-investment, deal sourcing, portfolio management, potential exit management, the team member. So everything put together. That's the kind of starting point uh, to start some soft conversation with potential LP. And the, while talking to the initial LP, getting feedback and the fine-tuning the deck and the strategy and the start to talk to, to a broader potential investor. I think for lots of the fund one manager, uh, most likely they will start with the capital from family offices because family offices, they're the one, they are investing with their own money. They're willing to take higher risk in order to gain higher return. And they also wanted to have opportunity to invest along with the, uh, the GP and the VC. So they would value smaller funds who have actual parada rights. They could work with our specific mandate. Some of the VCs are with a very 
uh, focus the like vertical, like only doing not only just, for example, not only just deep tech, only doing fintech, only doing blockchain, only doing like robotics. That type of the uh, VC would also attract certain type of family office who have a strategic angle, want to work with them. Definitely in between, you know, lots of document preparation, LPA, uh, subscription agreement, PPM, all these legal things, so when it's ready, that's when start to thinking about the first close, the second close. The whole process, the whole process uh, could take from half a year to a year, or even some of the fund manager take uh, 12 to 18 months for close the fund. Uh, but once it got started, I think the differentiation, as I mentioned a couple of times, is a key thing to make the fund manager stand out, be able to attract the capital much faster. And if things go well, I mean, the goal of the fund manager in most cases is to then open up and start the second fund. In your situation, when did you start thinking of, well, it's time to start raising that second fund? And what was different with raising the second fund versus the first? Yeah, so for fund two, I started thinking about fund two while I'm still deploying the fund one. And I think at that time, uh, I was uh, thinking about roughly around if I deploy more than 70% of the fund one, that would be a good timing for me to start thinking about fund two. Another good thing happened right before fund one. Fund two is really the uh, feature on the Forbes uh, magazine. And in 2017, that was when I was selected as a feature only for the Forbes 3030 VC category. Not only just the 3030, they also select me as a feature only. So I was able to get a full interview, everything, and also on the magazine, which definitely helped with the personal branding and also the firm branding. At the same time, we also rebrand the company, uh, the Fusion Fund. That's when the name and the logo start to take place and start to uh, have lots of conversation with new LP as well. Another goal for Fund 2 at that time is, as I mentioned, Fund 1, majority of the LP are family office. So starting from Fund 2, we start to talk with more institutional investor, institutionalize the fund more. And also based on the lesson learned from Fund 1, like Fund will have great company portfolios, many breakout companies. On the other side, the fund size was small. So the ownership is relatively low. We are now maximizing our fund return. So Fund 2, I decided to increase the fund size to um, bigger from initial fund one size to fund two. We target at uh, $75 million in initially and the close at $80 million. Got a pretty nice oversubscribe. And meanwhile, at fund two, based on the portfolio investing fund one, start to narrow down specifically for the sector we focus and how we do the portfolio management and also be more proactive taking the lead position, be the more board member. How did you like the being more proactive, being the board member? How did you like that? And also, I'm kind of curious, how important is it in your mind to create a brand? So the Fusion Fund brand or the brand as the VC investor brand, when sitting down with entrepreneurs discussing possible investing, possible deals? Uh, I think the general branding, probably not that important the general definition of branding. But what I'm talking about branding is more about uh, branding and reputation build up inside the tech community, inside the founder community. We definitely spend lots of time mingle with other VC and investor. But me personally spend much more time with founder or potential founder community. I wanted to build up our reputation as an expert investing in deep tech and healthcare. And not only for the founder we poten potential could invest, we will share lots of resources connection. Even for 
external founder. I serve as a mentor for several accelerators. We have regular office hours, basically offer to founder ask, ask anything. Like for schedule 10, 15 minutes that you could ask anything, use us as resources consultant. So that's how we kind of build up our reputation. And we want to make sure founder not only just uh, come to us for the capital. They come to us because of our experience, because of our expertise, because of our connection and reputation. Everything come in together, make us on their top, on the top of their list as the investor really want to work with. There was a part one to that question that I forget. Okay. And now you're on fund three. How is that going without going into too many details, you know, keep any secrets or that to yourself, but how is the progress on fund three going? Yeah, so uh, Fund3, I initially launched it early this year, and it was an interesting experience because as we discussed a lot about fundraising, Fund1, Fund2 was typical fundraising with lots of in-person meeting. But this year, because of COVID, everything is remote. So lots of fundraising conversation was then remotely with Zoom meeting. Definitely, that's a different experience, uh, requires much more communication uh, because in-person is much easier to build up the trust. But on the other side, save time for traveling. So in general, I think it's a very efficient process for me personally, launching this fundraising effort and together with my team. So we had a first and a, we have first close already in Q1, and we also have the second close in Q2, and we're very soon going to have the final close. So good thing to have a first close in Q1, actually in January, enable us to start to deploy the capital from Fund3. So for Fund3, now we have three companies already. And as I mentioned to you early on, uh, casual chat, that the reason we're doing the final close is because we're pushing the fund size to even bigger, consider the current market opportunity. So we're deploying the existing close, the fund, and meanwhile, we'll close more capital in the near future for Fund3. And where do you think your career is going to develop from here? Is it always going to be a bigger, bigger, bigger fund? Or eventually, is there... Something else on the horizon. Where do you see your career developing over the next 10 years? Yeah, so as I mentioned in our early conversation that when I launched the Fusion Fund, uh, I treated it as my, another startup. It just a startup is in VC. So when a founder launches a startup, we want this company to be the best. So I have a very clear goal for a Fusion Fund. We want to become a top tier VC in Silicon Valley. We start with an earlier stage. In the future, we definitely want to cover a broader stage uh, and also be able to support a founder uh, with capital resources and also at a different stage, continuously support, supported them along the journey. And for the near term, uh, definitely we're going to continue launch the Fund 4, Fund 5. We pr- probably will launch other type of vehicle in parallel to support a founder with more prorata capital. And meanwhile, I just doubled the size of my team in the past uh, one years with more new partner John on board and new associate John on board. For example, one of the new partner we have is Shane Wang. He was the former CTO at HP. Been there for many years. I have extensive, you know, great experience related to not only corporate, but how to leverage technology innovation within the corporate to integrate solution provided by startup within the traditional sector, push for digital transformation. So he's the big expert. After he jumped on board, we're going to have more allocation resources there to identify the right founder and support them. And for example, I have a new associate jumped on board last year, uh, in the past one years, including new members with strong healthcare background. I'm more in the medical device AI healthcare. This new member, he used to work in Genetech and MGEM with strong biotech 
life science background. We could expand our coverage in healthcare as well. And another new member, he was working on the Salesforce. So continue help us double down on the enterprise uh, cloud info investment we have so far. And with everything you've done, I mean, the career of starting a company, exiting, starting not one, but you're on fund three, all this in such a short amount of time. What has been the most exciting thing that you've done so far in your career? Exciting thing, I think, is really about the launching my own company and the launching Fusion Fund. Probably now compare everything is really launching Fusion Fund. Look back for the past five to six years, you thought you you saying that we grow fast, but I think we should do better. I I wanted to push myself and the team to to grow the firm bigger and better and also faster. Then we could really better support the the founder community and also. Bring something new to this industry, like the way how we build up our relationship with founder, how to really, really help the founder and with a different type of a VC, you know, supporting system. I think lots of things we could bring in here, even with the approach like internally, we were one of the first firm really adopting this data approach, leveraged lots of data analysis uh, to analysis the market trend, to identify the right trend and right founder, and even help us with internal due diligence. So I think out of this new small creative approach we're adopting, slightly, gradually you know impact the rest of the industry. And now we're seeing lots of the data approach uh, existing in the market without the deep tech healthcare become the popular trend in the market. I think that's the part we feel so rewarding as a one of the early mover for for all these endeavors. Do you have any tips or tricks for founders or other VCs for time management and? Organizing priorities. I, I'm, you seem to be an expert at it, both those. I think sometimes you just have to deal with it, right? All of us only have 20 hour, 24 hours a day. Uh, it's really hard to prioritize things because everything really is a priority one. <laughs> Even for uh, people ask me, oh, as a fund manager, you have uh, investment, portfolio management, operation, fundraising, how fund is exiting, which ones is more important. I'm like, everything is important. Other thing you just mentioned, equally important, equally priority. And uh, so just have to really, first thing for myself, I'm a super efficient person. I have some natural talents like reading pretty fast. You can tell I speak very fast as well. Adopting lots of the tools and the solutions to make sure internal communication, everything is more efficient. For example, for fusion culture, one thing is super straightforward. When we communicate with each other, always give honest feedback because all this communication sometimes could take lots of time. If we could be straightforward with each other, that's the most efficient way for, for communication, for operation. And also other things, not only me, I suggest and encourage all the team members, always try to discover any new tool, new approach, our even internal structure operation a protocol that could make our internal operation more efficient. On the other side, as I said early on, it's really about finding the right team member and the right partners. Like uh, one of my early partner, Homer, he's really experienced in terms of uh, team operation and the management and have other partners really strong in terms of portfolio management. I have also team members really uh, give us a strong support. So be able to have the right person focus on the right task in general, improve the team efficiency. And with that, if anyone wants to find out more information about you, Fusion Fund, or anything we talked about today, what's the best way to go about doing that? 
Yeah, the best way is uh, to connect me, uh, follow me on the Twitter and the LinkedIn account. I also check the message there and uh, reply them. The best way to uh, to be in touch with myself and also Fusion Fund, the one side is uh, one, one approach is uh, leverage our website. We have our contact uh, form that a uh, founder could send information to us. And we also have our contact email founder could send over information. And for myself, either Twitter or LinkedIn would be the most uh, effective way to get in touch with me and be happy to talk with founder. Founder could also directly email me. Fantastic. We'll have both those links in the show notes. And with that, Lou, I got to say thank you for taking the time today to be on the Silicon Valley podcast. And for all our listeners at home and anyone watching this, if you really enjoyed this episode, and I'm sure most people are going to watch it or listen to it multiple times, please go on iTunes, Spotify, other platforms and give us a good review and give us feedback because it helps us improve. And if anyone wants to find out more fish about myself, check out thesiliconvalleypodcast.com. And with that, one more time, Lou, thank you for taking the time today to be on the Silicon Valley Podcast. Thank you, Sean, for having me. Thank you for listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. To access our resources, visit us at thesiliconvalleypodcast.com and follow our host on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Sean Flynn SV. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional.